Correct me if I'm wrong, these are the foods that a lot of people, when they're first diagnosed with diabetes, these are some that they get taken out right away. Yes, yes. Conventionally, you know, it is said that remove the sugars from your diet. And so I'm glad to be able to talk about how we can add the right type of sugars to the diet, right? I like the way that you put that, <laughs> the right type of sugar, because yes, yes, yeah, one sugar does not fit all. Um, That's right. There, there are many kinds. So let's just jump right in here. Uh, number 10, I think that a lot of people are going to be excited to see this one. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us. This is episode 72 of season four, number 267 overall. Today on the show, we are going to be talking about diabetes. It is a disease that, according to some estimates, could be prevented upwards of 90% of the time. Type 2 diabetes, that is. But as it stands now, 34 million adults in the U.S. alone are living with it. That is 13% of the adult population, not to mention the millions of others who are currently living with pre-diabetes. And we want to get them all on a healthier path. And so today, we are going to be talking about foods that can help get their blood sugar and their insulin resistance back under control. And if they get on that healthier path, hopefully, they also will discover that that once preventable disease is now reversible. Or at the very least, can get brought back under control, as we said. And to help us down that healthier path, I have with me some very special guests who specialize in diabetes. Dr. Hanna Kaliova is back on the exam room today with new research about a grain that is proving to be especially helpful in combating diabetes. But we're going to kick things off with registered nurse and national board certified health and wellness coach, Deetra Dennis. What she is going to talk about with us is going to make the ears perk up of a lot of people who already have diabetes because it might just open up a whole new culinary door for them and usher in a new era of health by welcoming back a lot of foods that they thought that they had to leave behind. So let's get started. Here's Dietra Dennis and 10 foods that are surprisingly friendly for diabetes. Dietra Dennis, thank you so very much for being here. And thank you for having me, Chuck, and I'm glad to be back. I'm really <laughs> glad that you're here, too, because the list of foods that we're going to get into today, it, correct me if I'm wrong, these are the foods that a lot of people, when they're first diagnosed with diabetes, these are some that they get taken out right away. Yes, yes. Conventionally, you know, it is said that remove the sugars from your diet. And so I'm glad to be able to talk about how we can add the right type of sugars to the diet, right? I like the way that you put that, <laughs> the right type of sugar, because yes, yes, yeah, one sugar does not fit all. Um, That's right. There, there are many kinds. So let's just jump right in here. Uh, mm -hmm. Number 10, I think that a lot of people are going to be excited to see this one. Beans, peas, and lentils. Talk to me about these and the effect that they would have on someone with diabetes. 
Yes. So really, you know, all of the foods that are on the list are high in fiber. And we know that fiber is really good, you know, for not just, you know, for our digestive um, things, but it really helps with stabilizing the blood sugar. And beans are very high in fiber. So please add those to your plate in many ways. You know, you can have it as a salad, you can have it cooked. Um, and I love chickpeas that are roasted. Very delicious. Oh, you know, that's right. Roasted chickpeas, <laughs> they, they are so good. And by the way, you see mm -hmm. them in the store all the time. A lot of those have a lot of added oil to them. And mm -hmm. so that's going to up the fat content. Mm -hmm. But chickpeas are something that are really easy to roast in your oven at yes. home. I mean, super yes. easy. Yes, just toss them in some like uh, soy sauce, low sodium soy sauce or uh, liquid aminos, add your spices to it, put them in the oven about 400 or 375, 400, about 20 minutes. Delicious. That's it. That's it. You know, you yeah. don't have to be uh, a special kind of chef to be able to pull this one off. I mean, if oh, you're no. the kind of person that burns <laughs> water in the kitchen, you can still roast some chickpeas. Yes, Trust you me. can. <laughs> All right. Number nine. Number mm -hmm. nine is one that I think is going to catch a lot of people off guard, especially if they're not yet familiar with the idea of eating a plant-based diet, because this mm -hmm. is one that I think when the doctor hands down that diagnosis, I mean, <laughs> we were talking about taking these out right away. I mean, we're talking about preemptively taking yes. fruit out of the diet. So yes. why, yes. what is the disconnect there? Well, again, when you hear sugars, um, and I want to just clarify. So with the sugar or carbohydrates, the simple carbohydrates are the ones that we want to remove. And we want to add the complex carbohydrates, which our fruits have. And again, they have the fiber in them. And that prevents your blood sugars from spiking so high. It keeps them stable. So add some fruit to your to, to your diet, be it with breakfast, you know, as a, a fruit salad or a smoothie or even having fruit as your dessert, adding some spices to them, and you will be headed to the races in your words, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you just mentioned uh, making a smoothie. Um, does that kind of up the glycemic or, or increase the amount of um, sugar that would reach the bloodstream because it's, it's already kind of broken down or right. is it better to stick with the whole fruit? Well, you know, best is eating it whole. But if you, you know, want to use a smoothie, I would say just as when you're eating, take your time, give it 30 minutes, go slow with it, and it won't, you know, cause such a spike with the blood sugar. But that that's the advice I would say with eating, having the fruit as a smoothie. Add some green to it, your green leafy vegetables, some kale, spinach, collards to it, and that will help as well with reducing such a, a spike with the uh, blood sugar or blood glucose um, with the fruit. But yeah, yeah, I would say smoothies are okay. Just take your time. You Go know, slow. I I, I've even added uh, some black beans to uh, to a oh, fruit yeah. smoothie just to thicken mm -hmm. it up a little bit. So when mm -hmm. you got the banana and the black bean in there, like it is like drinking a really thick milkshake, but may sound a little bit crazy, but I'm telling you, you cannot taste the black bean no. and, uh, and even you can't taste the kale. Really, all you're going to be tasting is the, you know, sweet fruit. And right. that is a sweet treat that everybody likes. Uh, last question on this. Does this go for all kinds of fruit or are there some that people still may want to be a little bit more cautious with? Well, there are two that stand out, uh, watermelon and pineapple. You know, they are 
high on the glycemic index and the glycemic index really kind of measures which food will cause the spike in the blood sugar. And so those two are on the high glycemic index because they're, you know, more water and not as much fiber. So I would say limit them, you know, um, the watermelon and the pineapple. All right. You mentioned uh, maybe having fruit for breakfast. Well, here's another one that's big at breakfast time, bran cereals. Talk to us about uh, there uh, and, and what we've been missing here in terms of the diabetes and bran connection. Again, fiber. Fiber is key. I know many times when you hear plant-based, people always ask, where's the protein? Let's ask, where's the fiber? Uh, all of, again, all 10 of the foods that we're talking about are very high in fiber. So your brand cereals, you know, you want to look on the packaging on the label and look for where there is three grams or greater of fiber. And, you know, again, that's going to help with um, reducing the spike in the blood sugars. And you mentioned protein. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention uh, also going back to number 10 on the list. You know, you've oh, got yeah. beans and, and lentils there. Both of those are, are just chock full of protein. Yes, yes. Protein, fiber, a uh, winning team. <laughs> uh, and in all your time working in healthcare, I mean, have you ever seen anyone who has a protein deficiency? No, I have not. And I've been a nurse 28 years. No. There you go. Just, just wanted to ask. <laughs> All right, uh, let's uh, let's switch gears now and go down to number seven, bread. This is a big one for a lot of people. Bread, yeah. obviously, a staple in so many yeah. of our diets. But here you have mm -hmm. two uh, specifically that you're recommending in pumpernickel and rye. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so you know when you look at the information that's on uh, PCRM or the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, when you look at the prescription for type two diabetes that is on the list when we're talking about the whole grains. And these two breads in particular um, don't cause such a spike in the blood sugar. And I know sometimes we you know, may reference having whole wheat bread, but really these two right here really do not have that spike like the other um, breads do. So give it a try. You know, it may or may not be your thing, but just try it and see, you know, have some toast, um, and, and try it, just try it. Don't Talk knock it till you try it. No, I mean, there's <laughs> nothing, I mean, nothing like a good piece of pumpernickel or, or rye bread. I mean, you can mm -hmm. do some amazing sandwiches on some rye bread. I mean, just mm -hmm. amazing. Mm -hmm. um, talk to me about the difference between the way your body absorbs these two breads versus when you eat that white kind of wonder bread. That was the big one for, yes. for us growing up. Well, when you when you think about a whole grain, the whole grain has three components to it. It has the germ, endosperm and bran. And so what happens with the white bread it's been stripped of the bran, which has the fiber and of the germ that has, you know, many of your vitamins and minerals. And it's left with the endosperm that is very high in carbohydrates, have some some nutrients in it, but you know, the brand and the germ has most of it. And so when it's stripped, you're you're getting those spikes in your blood sugar um, or your blood glucose. So that's the difference because when you have all three components, you're you're getting the fiber, you're getting the protein, you're getting all that you need, one to keep you regular, your digestive system regular, but again, preventing those spikes in blood sugar. And so, you know, as I mentioned with the fiber is helping with weight loss, 
you know, because things are moving along, if you will. And uh, so I know, I know every time people ask about protein, I think you should give fiber just as much uh, attention as many people ask about the protein. And I feel like we should have some like pro fiber t-shirts printed up or something. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> as much as they get talked about in this community. Um, yes. Okay, so we we just talked about bread, but then a lot of people, uh, they love them a good old fashioned spaghetti dinner. They think that that mm -hmm. too is out the window, but you're mm -hmm. saying, well, now, wait, 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 not so fast. Whole wheat pasta is surprisingly friendly if you have diabetes. Yes. The thing again, fiber. Um, and, and for those that may have gluten intolerance, um, there are some great brands out there that are made from beans or vegetables. And so those are just as great for you, um, you know, to add to your plate you know, the whole wheat pasta. And listen, you can have pasta all types of ways, a one pot meal, you can bake it, you know, it's, it's just many things that you can do with the whole wheat pasta. So add that back to your plate if you have taken it off. I'm excited we've reached the top five. And there, <laughs> there are some humdingers on here, Dietrich. There are some really good ones. Uh, let's start by going back to the breakfast table in the yes. morning. Here we go. Oats. Mm -hmm. Gotta have oats. Talk to me about the effect that they would have on someone's blood sugar if they're living with diabetes. Yes. So the same thing here with the oats. So much fiber. And um, Chuck, for me with oats, I don't really like it cooked. I like it in my smoothie. So that again helps with um, and a little sweetness to um, that smoothie. Um, the fiber, as I mentioned before. Um, and so it's the soluble fiber. So it attaches to um, I know we're talking more about diabetes here, but if you have any excess hormones in your body, if you have excess estrogen, you know, the fiber attaches to that and removes the excess from your body. You know, so again, we're preventing a lot of chronic diseases by adding the oats to our plate as well. You keep mentioning smoothies. I feel like we need to put a recipe out there. Like, so... <laughs> My, my favorite with oats, it's it's a really easy one to make. It's mm -hmm. uh, ba frozen strawberries, mm -hmm. uh, frozen bananas, mm -hmm. uh, almond milk, and oats. And you just put that together, and it comes out kind of like a strawberry milkshake, and it's just yes. a little bit thicker. And the oats give it a nice... Uh, I, I guess heartier flavor. I don't know how it else does. to describe it, it but does. it's really good. It does. And I'll, if you don't mind me sharing my sure. um, recipe for my smoothie in the morning. So I usually either it's kale or spinach. And then I have um, the mixed berries. I usually put mixed berries with mine, oats, and it's the dried oats. And um, I like to add spices to mine. So I add a little cinnamon and then I add turmeric as well as ginger in there. A lovely combination. And I usually use way. water. Sometimes I, I use milk, but a lot of times I use the water um, for that. So yeah, that that to me is a delicious smoothie. I, I picked up that you're on team turmeric. You, that that's always a hot debate on the exam room. Is it turmeric or is it turmeric? And oh, so, or uh, turmeric. Some people say turmeric. So oh, hey. I, Turmeric. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> turmeric. Uh, who knew? Uh, okay. Here's, oh man, this is, this is good because it goes with so many dishes. Brown oh, yeah. rice. Uh, this is, mm -hmm. this has to be a night and day difference with white rice, kind of in the same way yeah. that pumpernickel and rye were yes. with white bread, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's the same um, principle. It has all of the components or parts of a whole grain or a wheat, um, so you have the 
like I mentioned before, the endosperm, the germ, and the uh, brand that gives you the fiber. Now, I will tell you a little difference with brown rice than cooking white rice. It takes a little longer to cook. So it takes normally about 45 minutes um, to prepare the brown rice. But again, it's worth having that. And I know sometimes people just don't like the texture of it because it's different from white rice. But if you, you know, start off with toasting the rice first, it really adds uh, the nuttiness to it. The flavor, number one, is good. And then when it is done cooking, it's separate just how, you know, you're used to your white rice being. And one key thing, you know, with a cooking tip here is that once your rice has cooked for that 45 minutes, let it sit there for 10 minutes covered. And that will allow, um, you know, all of the flavors, everything that you've added in there before to come out and you fluff it. And it will be just like your white rice. So that's a cooking tip for you with the brown rice. And it's not just nutrition knowledge that you're gaining here. We are giving you <laughs> pro tips for the kitchen. This is awesome. Yes. I love it so much. Um, let me, the curveball here. I've been eating mm -hmm. a lot of wild rice recently mm -hmm. as well. Would that kind of fall under the same category as yes. brown rice here? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, indeed. Awesome. Yeah, mix it up, you know, yeah. just mix it up. Try different types of brown rice, like jasmine rice, basmati rice, because they have such a different flavor. Each one of them have a different flavor profile. So go ahead. Have yes. your brown rice. Go ahead. <laughs> good, good advice. Uh, here we go. All right, top three time. And this next one is something that you and I were talking about before we started rolling. And both mm -hmm. of us look forward to summertime just because oh, what's on yeah. the menu? Corn. corn. Talk yes. to me about corn. And you know what? Corn is a whole grain. And so um, as we were talking about in July, when it's in season, oh, it's so delicious. And again, when you're eating it in season, you're getting all the nutrients, but the flavor is just unbelievable. I mean, you you really, you can just cut it off the cob and eat it as a salad, you know, mix it with some beans and maybe mix it with uh, quinoa. That is a wonderful salad for you to have or just eat it off the cob is mm -hmm. delicious. And you won't need um, butter because the flavor by itself, just corn, I mean, it's just delicious. I mean, if you've never had fresh corn, I mean, mm -hmm. it is just one of the more incredible things you will ever eat in your life. And this is why I encourage people, if there is a farmer's market in your yes. community, if you mm -hmm. go to that and you buy only one thing, Mm -hmm. Try the corn first. Make yes, sure that that's yes. number one. You bring that home and, mm -hmm. and you shuck it yourself, and then yes. you, you know you just cook it up, man. And it is mm -hmm. so good. It is so. I think so we're good. doing some southern uh, <laughs> reminiscing about our southern upbringing, huh? <laughs> what can I say? What can I say? What's up, seven five seven? Hi, Virginia. I, know, I love you. I know. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, boy, you want to talk about sweet corn? Let's shift that now over to another southern favorite: sweet potatoes. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. Now, it mm -hmm. is not lost on me that we have sweet in this title, and yet it is a friendly food for people with diabetes. Yes, it is. So again, the fiber, it has the beta carotene in there, um, which is also, I know I'm, we're talking about diabetes, but when you think of beta carotene, it also is an immune booster um, by having those um, carotenoids, um, those orange types of fruit and vegetables um, added to your diet. It also improves your immune. Um, so, you know, don't clutch your pearls about the pro uh, potatoes. <laughs> you can have the potatoes because it stabilizes the blood sugar um, because it has the fiber in there. 
I have not heard that term before on this show or anywhere else. <laughs> Don't clutch your pearls. I <laughs> love that. That is that is clutch right there. Fantastic. Is it is that a southern a southern saying? It is. Okay. It is. You know I'm a southern girl. I, I know. I'm like ashamed of myself. I, I'm I'm letting my my southern people down here. Dag on it. I've let you down for almost 40 years, my friends. I'm so sorry. All right. Uh let's take it home. Number one. And this one, uh, honest to goodness, was surprising that this was number one on the list that you created here today. Yeah. We just talked about sweet potatoes, but mm -hmm. what's number one? regular potatoes. I know that's another pearl clutcher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the potatoes. And I know um, you've had Dr. Uh, Ramon on um, talking about this as well. Um, and on the glycemic index, you know, it um, is higher, a uh, higher um, glycemic index. But I know um, with having the fiber in there, it really doesn't um, impact the, the blood sugar spikes as we had thought, you know, after much research, it is showing that it's okay to have to have the potato. Now, let's just say the potato in its whole state, okay, not fried as French fries. Uh-huh. Not that. We want a baked potato is great, you know, roasted, you know, dice them and have them roasted. Have them that way, not French fries, okay? Let me tell you something hey, like if you dice up your potatoes or you even slice them and you just kind of roast them or bake them in your oven, mm -hmm. just as good as a French fry. And in it a is. lot of ways, it's it's even more flavorful because you can actually taste the potato and not right. all of the grease and the salt the that, mm -hmm. that would come come with it at the drive through. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's that's good. So this this goes, I'm assuming, for your regular white potatoes, your russets. But then uh, what about like red skin potatoes? Would that fall under the same category as well? Yes, the red skin. Now, I would say if you were rating the glycemic index, the russet will have a little more um, higher on the glycemic index and the red potatoes are lower on the glycemic index. So if you're you're really wanting to watch that, I would say your red potatoes are the go to and you can do the same thing. You can roast them, um, bake them. And cut them up just like you mentioned, Chuck. You can have it as a breakfast hash, you know, with potatoes and add some onions and bell peppers. Very delicious. Uh, that can be for lunch or dinner. You know, any any meal, potatoes are good for you. And that's another one of those foods also, Dietra, that is really easy to cook. If you're just oh, yeah. starting out, it's so simple to bake a potato or mm -hmm. to roast a potato. Again, mm -hmm. you don't have to have gone to a full-blown cooking academy to know no. how to do this. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, it's it's really to, easy to get going on that. And I think yeah. that uh, that's something that a lot of people are probably going to take solace in, one, as they get going on healthier eating, yeah. but two, the fact that, hey... You know, maybe somebody's had diabetes for so many years and they mm -hmm. haven't been able to eat these potatoes, the brand cereal, mm -hmm. the bread for so long. Mm -hmm. And now uh, here we are saying, well, yeah, you know, you can do this, you know, because yes. of fiber that comes yes. with it. And, and yes. so that fiber just seems to be the magical nutrient that makes things happen. It does. It does. It really does. And I just want to share, you know, as we have given cooking tips with the baked potato, as well as the sweet potato with baking. You preheat your oven to 400. You don't need oil, oil or butter or anything like that. Put them in the oven, 45 minutes for your um, sweet potato and maybe 30 to 40 minutes for your regular potato. That is done. And that helps you with your meal planning and meal prepping. You could just put, you know, however many you want to have throughout the week 
go ahead and, and bake them and then you can just warm them throughout the week. Add what you want. Add some chili to it. You know, add some salsa to it one day so you can have it plain and then dress it up. Pro tips, pro tips. And so here's the thing. Uh, one of the things that I've eaten recently is uh, sauteed kale uh, with mm -hmm. black beans. And then I'll actually throw some salsa on top of that. Mm -hmm. And then that will be the topping for a sweet potato. Yes. And it is just amazing. Uh, real quick, a caveat mm -hmm. here before we wrap things up. Yes. Um, uh, coming from the South, you and I both know that a sweet potato oftentimes is not thought of as being sweet enough. So people will take a whole <laughs> jar of Cairo syrup and mm -hmm. just pour that on the sweet potatoes. And then they'll mm -hmm. take a handful of marshmallows and boom, oh, throw that top. on top yeah. of them as well. Mm -hmm. And then they mm -hmm. roast that. So what then would happen to someone's blood sugar if they were to eat that as opposed to just the plain old sweet potato? Well, of course, it will spike that blood sugar up very high. But the sweet potatoes, if you... Really, um, I know I talked about in season, you know, the flavor is just there. But at any time, if you roast that sweet potato, any food that you roast, the natural flavors in that food will just come alive when you roast them. So try it without adding all of the extra to it. Allow your palate to enjoy the uh, uh, potato in its natural form and you will love it. I mean, really, if you were to just bake that sweet potato, it is so good without adding anything else to it. And my mom, I'm going to tell you, my mom is 84 years old. And as long as I can remember, she bakes a bake a, a sweet potato every day. And that's what she has every day, a baked sweet potato. And she has adds nothing to it. Mama knows best too. Mama yeah. knows. <laughs> I'm telling you. And uh, I'll tell you, one of the things I've been doing is uh, putting the sweet potatoes in the air fryer and then baking them there. It does not get any easier than that. You just wash it and you literally throw it in the basket. And I'll do like mm -hmm. 25 minutes at 375 on one side and then flip it flip and it. do like another 15 minutes and call it good. And it comes out perfectly. Yes. And it's yes. so tender and it's so, yes. so good. And Just the like aroma in the house when you're baking Ooh. that sweet potato, I mean, it's, it's nothing like it. So much better. Uh, mm -hmm. and the house is so sweet. My wife loves yes. it when I cook sweet potatoes. Mm -hmm. I'll say the same with Brussels sprouts, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk offline on, on some tips on, on getting some good uh, Brussels sprouts. Okay. Okay. Real mm. talk. Yes, ma'am. Uh, okay. So here's the deal. Uh, yes. We, you uh, who are watching this right now have the opportunity to learn a whole heck of a lot more uh, because Dietra, you are uh, teaming up with the physicians committee to help with our new fight diabetes with yes. food program. Talk to us a little bit about this series. Yes. Yeah, so this is a very new series. Um, it's eight weeks in length. And so um, my special special co-host and I is Dr. Vanita Rahman, Dr. Carol and trap and uh, registered dietitian Jennifer Paul. We all are coming together to help you improve your blood sugar. So if you have a diagnosis of diabetes or pre-diabetes, we want to give you the tools to help you be successful in improving your blood glucose control. So we start on Tuesday, September 7th. It's from three o'clock p.m. to four o'clock p.m. Eastern. And we look forward to you coming to spend that time with us. And some of the things that we'll talk about 
is grocery shopping, meal prepping, and how to do this out and about, you know, socially. Because, you know, if you're going to a restaurant, how can you still have those foods that we talked about on the top 10 list and making sure that you're getting that fiber in? Um, and then as well, um, both of the physicians will talk about how to manage medications if you're on medication. So many, many great things. We're going to have great um guest panelists that are there. And once you register, you will receive a Fight Diabetes with Food e-cookbook. So many more uh, recipes that you can enjoy um, by registering. So yes, yes, yes. So we will be live um, again starting Tuesday, September 7th, 3 o'clock p.m. to 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern. And you can log on to PCRM.org to register or click the link that's in the show description or in the episode notes. And I uh, just want to stress that this is a free class series. Yes. So this doesn't cost you anything other than an hour of your time every week. Mm -hmm. And I love the way, Dietrich, that this is really lined up so well. Uh, this mm -hmm. weekly class schedule, each of the eight weeks has a different theme. So you really yes. do kind of walk people through A to Z here. And I, I just think that it's going to be so, so clutch. And number six, how mm -hmm. often do you get asked about this? You know, how do I do this healthy eating thing when I'm eating out? You know, mm -hmm. that is such a stumbling block for so many people. Yes. I'm glad mm -hmm. that this made the cut. Yes, yes, yes. And I mean, and, I mean, we're going to be sharing a whole lot of tips with that, but just, you know, really having the tools to help you be successful when you're eating out or if you're ordering in, either way, you know how to do that successfully. There it is. So PCRM.org. And uh, you can uh, get in contact with Dietra right now. Log on to our website, Full Circle Health Coaching LLC. Book an appointment with her. Get in touch. She knows what she's talking about. Maybe <laughs> I'm I'm assuming that there are at least 10 other foods that we could have uh, put on this yes. list today. So yes, you can hit me. people with even more knowledge <laughs> and cooking tips. Yes. <laughs> Dietra Dennis, thank you so very much for your time. This has been a real treat. Thank you, Chuck. Links to register for the diabetes program, as well as Dietra's health coaching services can be found right now in the show notes. And if you feel like you've raised your health IQ today, we could use your help because we are on a mission to help make the world a healthier place. And we need your help to do just that. We need your help to get this potentially life-saving information to those who need it the most. We're talking about those people who feel like they're trapped in an unhealthy body and an endless cycle of fast food and high fat meals with no end in sight and certainly no fruits or vegetables on their plate. The very foods, those whole grains that they need to make their body thrive. And as we've discussed, it does not have to be that way. So let's help them get this information that could potentially change their life. And one of the easiest ways to do that right now is by subscribing to the exam room podcast by the physicians committee and leaving a five-star rating. And the five-star ratings are critical because they help us climb a little bit higher in the podcast rankings. And the higher we climb, the easier it becomes for those who need this information the most to find it because we're at the top of the list. It's just easier. Of course, you're always going to want to click on number one. So let's get us to the top. Subscribe to the exam room podcast by the physicians committee on Apple podcast or Spotify, wherever shows are available. And please don't forget to leave that five-star rating to help us make the world 
a healthier place. Let's continue now. We've had the 10 surprisingly diabetes-friendly foods from Dietra. Now let's bring one more into the conversation. But this food perhaps is not so much as a surprise for being diabetes-friendly, but the extent of its benefits may in fact raise some eyebrows. Dr. Hanna Kaliova sent me an email and she said, look, we have to talk about this study. She was all kinds of jazzed up about it because it shows that this often overlooked grain can be a big help in the battle against diabetes. And what grain is that? Millet. And how does it help? Well, let's find out as Dr. Kaliova joins us with a great look at this new study. Dr. Kaliofa, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Chuck, for having me. I'm so glad that you're here again because this is Next Level Nutrition. I have said that phrase before, but with you, I genuinely mean it. This is like Nutrition 301 when you are here. I brag about your smarts all the time, so I just want you to know once again that I am in awe of how smart you are. Oh, thank you for your kind words, Chuck. <laughs> and I hope everyone will, you know, be able to benefit from the amazing science, from the progress, from the latest scientific evidence. It makes me so excited when I can share the knowledge with you. Oh, yeah. And people are going to reap the benefits today in a delicious way, as a matter of fact, because millet is in fact, a delicious grain. Like, I love this. Mm -hmm. Millet bread is one of my favorite things. Millet uh, toast, as a matter of fact, is one of my favorite things ever. Like weekend breakfasts, I yeah. love me some millet bread that's been toasted. Um, before we talk about that study, though, Dr. Kaliova, I want to throw a couple of numbers out there. I'm going to read this verbatim from the study. It says, it is estimated that there will be a 51% surge in diabetics globally by 2045 from 463 million in 2019 to 700 million in 2045 with type 2 diabetes accounting for about 90% of that total. Uh, you hear about that alarming increase. Mm. Is that part of the reason what's motivating you to continue to look at diabetes so closely? Absolutely. The numbers are just so alarming. And when we know um, what contributes to this rise, um, the animal product consumption and uh, the lack of understanding, people, um, many people think uh, that the, the increase in diabetes prevalence is due to the consumption of carbohydrates. And so they're cutting down on their rice and potatoes and also millet, which paradoxically won't help them. And so that's why it's so important to uh, just review the scientific evidence. And if there's uh, one dietary pattern and uh, a few specific foods that help uh, dramatically to, to improve diabetes and prevent it, we need to know about it. Before we get into that, let me ask you this. Why is it, do you think, that there are still there is still such that notion out there. So many people believe that carbs hmm. are the enemy when it comes to diabetes. And even if it's a whole food, like a sweet potato hmm. or a whole fruit, you know, if you have diabetes, you should exclude them from the diet. That's the advice that's given out far more often than what it is that we discuss here on the show. What is it going to take to flip the script on that belief? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a part of the reason is the studies that have shown that sugar-sweetened beverages increase the risk of developing obesity and type 2 diabetes. Uh, but when we tease it out, it's not the sugar, but it's the extra calories that people are consuming, uh, where you know, drinking sodas obviously is not a healthy thing that we would uh, that we would recommend to anyone. Uh, but it's not the sugar itself. If you eat the same amount of sugar in your meals, um, you know, you will not increase your risk of developing diabetes uh, to the same extent as when drinking sugar sweetened beverages in addition to your meals, uh, between your meals instead of water. Uh, and so. I think that uh, the research on sugar-sweetened beverages uh, may be freaking out some people uh, because of the high numbers and, and the, the increased risk of developing diabetes. And also, uh, we are kind of conditioned to look for the blood sugar uh, as, the main, uh, as the main determinant. In fact, diabetes is a laboratory uh, diagnosis. Uh, until you come to a lab and have your blood sugar tested, you will not know whether you have diabetes. And so uh, just the focus on blood sugar and what in, what can increase blood sugar than carbohydrates, right? Uh, but we need to think about it um, in a more complex way. It's not only the carbohydrates that may increase your blood sugar, uh, it's also the fats in your diet. And if you have too much fat in the diet, uh, it will be stored in the muscle and in the liver. And this will increase the insulin resistance, which means that insulin will not be working that well. It will not be able to push glucose into, um, into the cells from the bloodstream. And then uh, if, if the glucose is not able to get into the cells, it stays uh, in the blood. And that's why we have high blood sugar. Uh, but it's not because we were eating too many potatoes. It's because we were eating too much beef and also fish and cheese and other sources of fat. Oh, that's standard American diet. Um, but I'll tell you one thing that is not part of the standard American diet uh, is millet. So let's mm. talk about this uh, study. Let's take a, a pretty quick look at this. Let me go ahead. I know that you have uh, put together a presentation on this. So let me go ahead and add this to the screen. There you go. If you're watching this on Facebook and YouTube, thanks for watching. If you're listening to the podcast right now, you can head over to the Physicians Committee's Facebook page or YouTube channel to watch this and see the science in action up on Dr. Kaliova's screen. So with that, Dr. Kaliova, I will turn it over to you. Oh, thank you so much, Chuck. Uh, so we will just look at the findings from a systematic review and meta-analysis that has been published in the journal Frontiers of in Nutrition on the potential of millets, different kinds of millets for managing and also reducing the risk of developing type, type 2 diabetes. Uh, the study group uh, analyzed 65 studies on millet and uh, we know that millet there is many kinds of millet but all of them are highly nutritious uh, high in uh, protein carbohydrates the healthy carbohydrates fiber antioxidants 
Uh, it's also low in glycemic index, and that's a part why that's one of the reasons why it's so beneficial for people with diabetes. Uh, a glycemic index is a concept that tells us how fast the carbohydrate will be will be released in your blood after you eat it. So if it's high, uh, then that that would be, for example, sugar or white bread. Then the blood sugar will would go sharply up after eating that that particular food, and then would go sharply down. If the glycemic index is low, it's more gentle on your blood sugar. And millet uh, is low in glycemic index, which is which is amazing. Uh, the glycemic index of millet is 53 on average. White rice has a glycemic index of 72 and refined wheat 74. So that makes them uh, kind of high uh, glycemic index foods. And millet uh, is, is low glycemic index. So that makes it uh, really good for people with diabetes, but also for people who are overweight and want to prevent the development of diabetes. And when the researchers analyzed the, the findings and the effect of millet consumption on fasting plasma glucose, fasting blood sugar, but also post-meal blood sugar, uh, they found out that millet decreased uh, uh, fasting plasma glucose by 12% and post-meal glucose by 15%. And in people with prediabetes, uh, the researchers noted that A1C, uh, the marker of long-term glycemic control, reduced um, was reduced from 6.7 to 5.7%, which is a reduction uh, by one absolute percent, which is pretty astonishing for one specific food. And, you know, when we're talking about millet, sometimes people may be just wondering, what about grains in general? Grains that are high in carbohydrates. Uh, are they healthy foods or are they foods that we should be avoiding? Uh, so let's look at the whole grains as one, uh, one whole group. That would include whole wheat bread and oatmeal and whole wheat pasta and different kinds of grains, brown rice and barley and rye and other kinds of grains. Uh, and a meta-analysis of prospective cohort studies has shown uh, that whole grains decrease all-cause mortality, your risk of dying from any cause, by 16% by just consuming uh, the, the major um, driver is consuming at least 30 grams of whole grains per day. And you get even more benefits when you eat two or three servings per day. And the same for cardiovascular mortality, uh, your risk of dying from uh, cardiovascular disease is decreased by 18% if you eat three servings of whole grains per day and your cancer mortality or your risk of dying from cancer is decreased by 12% by just eating your whole grains. So the short answer uh, to the complex question, uh, are whole grains beneficial for you? Absolutely. 
they are and millet is one of them and uh, now you may be wondering what can i do with millet if you've never used millet in your kitchen uh, let me share two recipes with you uh, this is one of my uh, favorites for breakfast millet waffles where you combine one cup of uncooked millet with one cup rolled oats and blend them in your Vitamix with four cups of water add a little bit of salt and vanilla and you may add lemon zest if you'd like and just that makes wonderful batter that will not stick to your pan and these are highly nutritious nutritious waffles for your breakfast and if you're more like a savory person i have another recipe for you uh, cook um, cook millet in your instapot you can use the program for rice on your instapot or just in a regular pot as you would cook rice and then add all the veggies like onion and carrots and celery and then flax seeds so that they will stick together uh, some garlic and some uh, some spices and you just combine these all together and bake them in the oven and it's it's a it's an amazing millet loaf and uh, you said that your favorite was a millet toast uh what where do you buy the bread um chuck i i just uh well don't tell my wife but it was actually an ex-girlfriend about 10 years ago uh who turned me on to it um it's i i want to say it's by food for life um it's in the frozen food section where they keep the the frozen breads and uh it's it comes in a yellow package and it's mm. just millet millet bread and it is the most delicious bread that i've ever tasted like straight up toasted you don't need i don't even add anything to mm. it dr kaliova i just do dry toast and it is oh so good once it hits your lips but uh something tells me though and that it pales in comparison to those millet waffles that mm. you that you have because those things look just crumbed diddly umptious. they are they are so delicious and i need to tell you a funny story when i became vegan when i was 14 uh, one of my major disasters was cooking millet <laughs> because <laughs> I discovered millet and I was like, oh, I read millet is so high in nutrients and antioxidants. It's like a superfood. And from now on, I, I will be cooking millet. <laughs> and But I was only 14. I didn't know how to cook. And my mom said, okay, if you want to do your vegan diet, you need to cook for yourself. And she <laughs> thought we'll, we'll be done in two weeks, right? Mm -hmm. But I was like, okay, deal. <laughs> and I came came home with a package of millet and with with this enthusiasm, and I didn't know what to do with it. So yeah, I cooked it, but I didn't know how to season it. And the whole family was just laughing at me. They were like, oh, which animal would eat this? A cat wouldn't eat it. A dog wouldn't eat it. So why would you even consider eating it? They sell it as bird food. <laughs> and that's all there's to it. Yeah, you can you can also get it in a pet section <laughs> as bird food. Anyway, uh, so it took a few experiments. I had to refine my recipes with millet, but I'm glad to report that nowadays millet is just one of my signature dishes. If you come and visit, I'll make you the millet waffles or the millet loaf. I also make delicious 
uh, millet yogurt uh, as as a breakfast food. Yeah, uh, millet is just amazing. Ooh, I think that we've discovered a hidden talent. You're quite the chef. <laughs> yeah, I love cooking. Okay, well, now that comes in handy because I think that we can take this show on the road live from Dr. Kaliova's kitchen. Mm -hmm. um, true story, though, that's funny that you mentioned bird food and your family's reaction. When I was growing up, from time to time, my mom would go on these health kicks. She would read something or a friend would tell her something, not unlike what happens today mm -hmm. when you go online and you see all these different blogs promising the next big thing in health. Well, anyway... She came home one day and was saying that millet was the healthiest food known to man. Kind of like what you just said. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I knew about millet was that my grandfather had a big bag of it to feed those birds, just yeah. like what you were talking <laughs> about. And so I picked up the phone as fast as my little 10-year-old fingers would dial. And I called my dad and I was like, dad... Mom has lost her mind. She's trying to feed Richard and I bird seed. What is going on? Richard's my brother. And he just thought that that was the funniest doggone thing. Um, and sure enough, mom cooked it. And uh, it was about as bland as could be because she didn't know much about cooking. God bless her. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so that's that's millet. And uh, today I think that it's it's quite delicious and tasty. But it's it's all in the preparation, Dr. Kaliova. It's all in the preparation. Um. Speaking of preparation, interesting question about the study. I'm wondering if the researchers looked at um, how the various cooking methods, how mm. you cook it, did that affect the GI value of millet? Yeah, the more the more you cook any grains, the higher their glycemic index will be. But millet starts super low already compared with other grains. So you cook it, you don't want... like the more mushy you make it, the higher the glycemic index will be. But inter like with millet, you don't need to worry about it because you start super low. So even if it's a little bit higher uh, by, by a few units, you're still fine. Uh, it's still a better choice for you than to cook white rice or have white bread. No doubt. Um, how does it compare to brown rice, which I assume, well, which I know has a lower glycemic index than white rice? Millet is still lower in glycemic index than brown rice. Uh, okay. So it's one of the superfoods. And interestingly, it's not only good for your health and low in glycemic index, uh, it's also uh, good for the farmer. It's one of the most sustainable foods. It requires... Uh, a small amount of water um, and it can survive even in hot climates with only small amount of water. So, so it's one of the sustainable foods that easy to grow. Uh, it's also cheap. Um, yeah. What else, what else would you like to, to have in a food? I know that that's a uh, super food indeed. That's just straight up magical. Uh, the mm -hmm. magic millet. Uh, Dr. Kaliova, thank you so very much for your time. This has really been just fun as always. I, I say this every single time and I do mean it. You bring such fascinating stuff to the table. I never thought to look at the correlation between millet and diabetes before, but nonetheless, you've unearthed research that does just that. So thank you for bringing it to uh, our attention today. I do greatly appreciate it. It's so much fun to be on the show, Chuck, and I greatly appreciate your questions. You're just so curious and you make it so practical for the listeners, and I greatly appreciate your show.
a link to the study on Millet, as well as the video of the interview with Dr. Kaliova, so you can see her presentation and that science. Those links can be found right now in the show notes. And this is an important conversation that we're having about diabetes today, because did you know that in 2018, doctors told one and a half million people that they had diabetes? One and a half million. You crunch those numbers, that breaks down to more than 4,100 every single day, 171 people per hour, and that is almost three people every single minute receiving that unfortunate diagnosis. But on the flip side, if it is in fact true, as we said at the top of the show, that 90% of these cases could be preventable, well, those numbers would plummet. You're talking about taking that one and a half million annual total and dropping that all the way down to 150,000. That means that only 410 people would be diagnosed every day. And the 171 every hour would become just 17. And instead of three new diagnoses every minute, well, new diabetes cases would only then be diagnosed once every three minutes. Those are huge drops. And study after study have shown us that lifestyle changes and a healthier way of eating can make a world of difference. So what are we waiting for? Let's get on that healthier path. And if you're ready to make those changes or you know someone who is, I encourage you please to schedule an appointment with the doctors and dietitians at the Barnard Medical Center who would love to work with you to achieve optimum health. And plant-based diets are their specialty. And they've got the science as well as the meal plans to help you out. Visit barnardmedical.org or call 202-527-7500 to schedule an appointment. Telemedicine visits are available in select states and insurance is accepted. So schedule that appointment today at barnardmedical.org or call 202-527-7500 to take control of your health. And for today, that's going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to the incredible Dr. Hanna Kaliova for bringing that research to the table, as well as Dietra Dennis for dropping some knowledge about 10 surprisingly diabetes-friendly plant-based foods. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based.